0: welcome back to the Beck and Call podcast. I'm your host, Merritt Beck. I am a fashion blogger turned podcaster, and I'm here to chat about all things life, work, and love as a single woman in my 30s. And my dog is here, so she makes sound sorry. Each week, I share my latest recs and reviews, answer listener questions, and discuss fun, relevant topics for women in their 20s, 30s, and beyond. This is a solo podcast, but I'll bring on guests from time to time to mix things up, But today's a solo podcast, so I'm super glad you're here. And without further ado, let's get into it. Before we get into my week slash weekend recap, trust me when I say you'll definitely want to listen to this entire episode. I'm making a very fun and exciting announcement in the beck and call segment at the end that you absolutely won't want to miss. So I wanted to give you guys a heads up up top so you know what's coming. But um, this week was super busy. I've been playing catch up from being out of town in Carmel last week and also trying to get ahead as both Liza and I will be out of the office all next week in Charleston. So we've basically been trying to get double the amount of work done we normally would this week, so we don't have to be on our computers much while we're there. Um, And with Monday being our travel day out to Charleston, I'm recording and editing this episode on Saturday. Perhaps not the most exciting plan for a weekend, but a girl's got to do what a girl's got to do. Am I right, ladies? Um, Needless to say, things have been a little hectic around here the last several days, but I do feel good knowing that We can go into the trip relaxed and not have to worry about being on our computers or rushing to get any posts up or anything like that while we're there. And while we're on the subject of personal updates and travel, earlier this week, I booked a trip to London and Paris for June. And you guys are hearing it first. I haven't shared this info anywhere else. Um, I'm so ready to travel internationally again. And with the mask mandates on flights going away, at least in the U.S., it gives me some hope that things are going to ease up or start easing up elsewhere, too. And there are so many places I'd like to go. I have so many places on my travel bucket list that I haven't been to yet, and I definitely want to hit some new spots soon. But for my first solo international trip post-pandemic, I thought going to places that I'm comfortable in would be a good way to dip my toe back in. I've lived in London and visited Paris a ton of times over the years, so I feel super safe and comfortable traveling there. And I just thought that would be a fun way to get back into international travel. I'm going to be in London for four nights, in Paris for three, and I'm taking the channel over from London. So that'll be fun. And I cannot wait. And while I'm sure I'll be on my own for a lot of the trip, I do still have some friends who live in the UK and one in Paris. So I'll hopefully have some meal companions a few of the days of my trip. So I haven't been to Paris since 2018 and London since 2019. So I need to start investigating the new restaurants that are available. Um, so if you've been in the last year and have suggestions, definitely let me know all I've booked so far are my flights and hotels. So I will take any and all recs for restaurants that are new in the last few years. On Wednesday night, I hosted game night at my house for several of my girlfriends, some of whom I have not seen in forever. And it was so much fun. We played Mexican Train, which I feel like I'm a broken record now because I've talked about this game so many freaking times, but I'm just obsessed with it. It's my new favorite game. And I love Mahjong, but you have to have four players for Mahjong. You can have multiple, you can have two players or five players for Mexican Train. You could have any number of players and it's easier to teach than Mahjong. So Mexican Train is sort of in my go-to lately. All the girls had a blast learning how to play and we played several games and we've already scheduled our next game night in May. I'm just like so happy. It's really nice to get everyone together. And I think I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but especially now that I have friends with kids and friends that are married, it's really hard to get everyone together for something like this. So I'm really thrilled that we're going to try and do this consistently, but I highly recommend buying a set of Mexican train. They're on Amazon, pretty cheap. And it's, like I said, really easy to learn how to play. It's super fun. You can play with any number of players. It's the best. On Thursday, I had dinner with Emma of Emma's Thing and the That's What e Said podcast, which we'd actually scheduled several weeks back since both of us had had a lot of travel on our plates in the last month. And we hadn't made a reservation anywhere. So I signed up for a resi notification at Carbone Vino, which I told you all, all about, I think last week. And as luck would have it, we were able to snag a 645 res on the patio. I was so excited to go back. We had such a great meal there a couple weeks ago. And there were four of us that time, and there were only two of us this time. So we didn't get as much as we did last time. Uh, But we got the Caesar, a margarita pizza, the spicy rigatoni, and the gnocchetti. All classics on the menu and very good. Sorry, I have like a thing in my throat. I need to take a sip of some. The best news was that we couldn't finish everything, so we each got to take home some pizza and pasta for leftovers, which I promptly ate for lunch the next day. It was chef's kiss. And again, sorry, my dog Reese's is in here with me and you will hear her snore and make sounds, but hopefully you think it's cute and not annoying. Last night, I spent the evening lounging on the couch with my dog Reese's and finally finished the Batman movie, which I will review for you in the next segment. I tried to sleep in this morning, but per usual, woke up at 7.15 without an alarm. I'm just like, ugh, I swear, the older I get, the less I'm able to sleep. But just not being able to sleep in on weekends is, has always been a problem for me. But I feel like lately when I am available to sleep in and I haven't been drinking and like all the conditions are right, I'm still not able to sleep in. It's very frustrating. <laughs> But anyway, so we woke up at 7.15 without an alarm, and I walked Reese's and then worked out. But other than that, I'm just recording and editing today. And then tonight, I'm grabbing dinner and drinks with my friend, Laura, and tomorrow morning, Brad of Bevel Dog Behavior is coming over at 10 a.m. on the dot, and we are taking Reese's to Mutt's. I'm not sure I mentioned this on the podcast yet, but I take my dog to Mutz Cantina, which is a dog park slash bar in Uptown Dallas, and... Um something happened a few weeks ago that uh, we have not been back since and I need Brad's help. So <laughs> I'll tell you what it was, but Reese gets so excited to be there that she will jump in people's laps and the last time we were there she did it multiple times and one group of ladies got very annoyed about it. I think partly because one she's not around places like that very often and two they have these really low seating areas like Adirondack chairs and picnic tables and so it's really easy for her to jump right up and say hello. And while I'm sure most people expect dogs to come over and like drool and lick them or whatever. Um, and she's kind of small, but she's dense. She's like 30 pounds and she can knock over drinks. She once dr- jumped in somebody's lap with a laptop. Needless to say, I was incredibly embarrassed and profusely apologized to those ladies. Cause I mean, I don't want her to be doing that, but like once I let her off the leash, I can't catch her. So she kind of goes buck wild. Um, And she's so good on a leash and she's really good at home most of the time. But anyway, at Mutt's we're having a problem. So Brad is coming over tomorrow to set her up for success and we're going to take her to Mutt's and he's going to show us how it's done. So (laughs) I'll report back and let you know what I learned and if there's anything helpful to share. But if you haven't already, be sure to tune in and listen to the episode I did with Brad back in February. It's episode number 22 and it's called A Dog Gone Good Time with Brad Bevel of Bevel Dog Behavior. Now let's get into what I've been watching lately. So I finished the thing about Pam this week, which I know I've mentioned on the show before, but it is the TV show on Hulu starring Rosne Zellweger, and it's about a suburban housewife who is now in prison for murder. And it's based on a true story of Pam Hupp. And in the last episode, they actually show real footage of the real Pam during the investigation and trial. And it's honestly so wild because with this footage, they were able to totally recreate very many scenes that happen, So it's, um, that was really kind of cool to watch, but Keith Morrison narrates this limited series and it really sets the tone for the show. It's like part mystery, part comedy. So as you can imagine, things get pretty silly and ridiculous, but that's mostly due to Pam and her bizarre behavior in every episode. I mentioned this previously, but she's such a narcissist and thinks she's smarter than everyone around her even when she's doing the literal dumbest stuff you can imagine. There are only six episodes, so it's a pretty quick watch, especially now that every episode is available on Hulu. But I definitely recommend this if you're into true crime or comedy, as it fits both genres. I really enjoyed it. I thought Renee Zellweger played the the role perfectly. It was just, it was really entertaining. Something else I've been meaning to watch is Anatomy of a Scandal with Sienna Miller. I've heard such amazing things about it, and this week was just too nuts for me to fit it in, but that's going to be on my list for when I'm back from Charleston. And I also got an email a couple days ago from HBO Max that season two of The Flight Attendant is now out. And if you haven't seen that show, it stars Kaylee Cuoco, and it is about a flight attendant who likes to party. Like, that's an understatement, honestly. But she wakes up after a fun night in Thailand next to... The dead body of her date, who she actually met on the flight over. It's so good. It's sort of like a whodunit. Like, you don't know where the story's gonna go. Um, Kaylee Cuoco is fabulous in this role. I mean, she plays an alcoholic really well. <laughs> uh, can't wait to watch that as well. But something else I did watch, uh, which I mentioned earlier, is the Batman. So as I was saying, The Batman with Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz came out last week. And one of my goals was to watch that before recording this week's episode. And I initially started watching it Tuesday night, but to be perfectly honest, I was also playing on my phone and ended up ultimately getting too distracted. So I stopped it and decided to watch it Friday night instead. Plus, it's a really long movie and I was tired and like, you know, wasn't sure I was going to be paying attention and not going to sleep. So. Um, I started it again Friday night and it did start pretty slow, but I ended up really loving the movie and the way it was done. So if you've seen the Christian Bale series, I felt like this rendition told more of a story beyond Batman and the villains, whereas I felt like Christian Bale's was like, it was simply like the superhero thing. And the way it was shot was a little more artfully created Don't get me wrong. I loved the Dark Knight trilogy with Christian Bale. Those movies were all incredible. The acting was fabulous. They were fast paced and kept you hooked the whole time. I'm just saying I enjoyed this different spin and take on the stories. There was just a little more of an artful take on it. Um, There was also an underlying kind of sense of melancholy the whole movie, which I think added a different vibe from the Christian Bale movies that were so fast paced. It just moved a little bit slower. Um, and everything was like every, everything they did to tell the story was really creatively done. Truth be told, I do think Christian Bale made a better Bruce Wayne than Robert Pattinson. But with that said, I enjoyed his chemistry with Zoe's character and thought he pulled off the voice pretty nicely. (laughs) Um, anyway, like I said, it started slow, but I ended up really liking it and I do recommend it, but do note it's a three hour movie. So if you want to watch it, make sure you have plenty of time and aren't super tired when you start it. those of you tuning into the podcast for the first time, or those of you who don't already know me, I have been a fashion and lifestyle blogger since 2011. So over the last decade, I've been creating all kinds of fashion content from styling outfits and reporting on new collections to creating seasonal capsule wardrobes and answering all kinds of reader questions on the topic of style. From what to wear to a wedding or how to pack for a long trip to dressing for your body type and the best style staples to invest in. I've pretty much covered every topic under the sun and answered every question possible on the subject of style over the years. While fashion may not translate as well over an audio only medium with style being my background, it makes sense that I'd chat about it on here. So I thought I'd make this episode a style episode and I'm trying to make it as comprehensive as possible, but I'm, I'm sure I'm missing a lot of topics. And um, so if you have any specific questions that don't get answered in this episode or want me to cover additional topics in the fashion and lifestyle categories, be sure to call into the Beck and Call hotline at 214-620-0473. You can leave a voicemail with your question and I'll answer it in a future episode or submit just content requests and I can address that in future episodes as well. First, let's talk about defining your personal style. This is a question I often receive and it's not really something I've ever put much effort into myself simply because I just buy stuff I like and I've never really attempted to define my own style. I guess it's just naturally evolved. Um, I've never adhered so much to one rule or like one fashion rule or like my closet doesn't look just one way. For example, I know people that only, only wear neutrals, only have black and white pieces in their wardrobes. For me, I like to buy things that spark joy and that I'm truly excited to wear, whether that's a plain white tee or a vibrantly colored cocktail dress. So I'm sort of all over the place and have never really stuck to one rule or one set of adjectives to define my style. But with that said, if you're looking to hone in on and define your personal style, here are some questions to ask yourself when looking at your closet. So the first, which clothes in your closet make you the most happy? Like which Paula Marie condo, which sparks the most joy? Which pieces do you gravitate towards? A specific set of colors. Um, this is actually a, this brings me back to a question I got on the podcast about dressing in the seasons, the color analysis. I don't do that, but um, I do know people who do. And so maybe consider: Do you kind of stick with a specific set of colors? Like do you dress? Based on color analysis, are you someone who loves to wear what is trendy, or do you prefer more timeless styles? Are you more of a minimalist? I feel like I'm probably more of a minimalist, especially when you compare me to, say, my sister, who definitely prefers more excess. Um, Like she's all about color and embellishments, and just like like goes a little wild. And I, I feel like my looks are maybe a little cleaner in terms of just just the number of details, if you will. So are you more of a minimalist or do you prefer excess? What does your lifestyle look like? Would you say you wear more casual clothes or do you have a lot of opportunities to dress up? So like for me, I work from home most of the time, but I do go out on the weekends. I go to a lot of weddings and parties. And so I have a pretty good mix of casual and fancy clothes, but some of y'all may not do that. Some of of y'all may work in a really formal environment and only go to fancy things and you don't have that much use for a bunch of really casual options, whereas some others of you might work from home or be a stay-at-home mom and really don't have needs for really fancy dressy clothes. Are there any specific brands or designers you love or buy from a lot? Also, make a list of people who have a personal style you admire. What is it about their outfit choices that you like and why are you drawn to them? So make a list of all of these answers and based on those answers, try to come up with a few adjectives to describe your style choices. So like for me, when I'm considering all of these things, I would probably say my, my style is classic, polished and feminine, but with a little edge. Because I love the basics, but I also love romantic feminine dresses, but I'm also really into the distressed jeans and cool sneakers vibe. I'm a little all over the place, like I said, so I don't really like to commit to one look or vibe. It's all kind of depending on my mood and how I'm feeling each day and what I want to wear. Now that we've discussed finding and identifying and defining your personal style, let's chat about how to build a classic versatile wardrobe. So as I mentioned a few seconds ago, we all live very different lives with different schedules, events, and activities. So we all likely require very different kinds of clothes. But with that said, I do think there are a few building blocks and wardrobe basics that make getting ready every day a breeze and that most people could use. So those would include solid neutral T-shirts, a few different pairs of denim like blue, black and white, a couple of basic sweaters, think solid neutrals like beige, gray or black, a couple of casual jackets. I love a jean jacket and a green utility jacket. and then a more elevated leather jacket, or a more tailored blazer for nights out or work-related events. Um, I also love a neutral trench or, if you live somewhere colder, a lightweight coat. I would recommend a few solid day-to-night dresses that you can wear with or without jackets, a tote, a shoulder bag, an everyday pair of sneakers, a pair of mules or flats, a pair of flat sandals, a pair of ankle boots, and a pair of heels. (laughs) I know that's a long list. But when you list all these out, this is practically one of my capsule wardrobes. As long as you select items in solid, versatile neutrals, you can style every item here with nearly everything else I listed. Once you've got a solid wardrobe of building blocks like that, you can expand on it and add more fun seasonal items that bring in color and prints and more. While I love wearing more festive on-trend pieces from time to time, having that solid foundation of classic quality basics allows me to mix and match every day and still keep things interesting when I want to. And I mentioned my capsule wardrobe before and wanted to remind you guys that I have a ton of them on my blog for endless style inspiration, no matter the season. I do a fresh one every season, so spring, summer, fall, and winter. And I'll begin on my I'll begin working on my summer capsule when I get back from Charleston. And For those of you who've never checked out my capsule wardrobes, they are totally free PDFs you can download and basically just have them at your fingertips when you need help throwing outfits together in the morning or ahead of packing for a trip. I even know people who print them out and put them in their closet so they can just see it right there and easily put outfits together. And in addition to these seasonal capsules, I've actually started working on a very classic capsule that is truly only the building blocks I've listed here. Nothing super seasonal or colorful, just timeless neutrals and staples you can play with year round. And I'll be sure to let you guys know when these come out the summer one and just the classic one. But in the meantime, head over to my blog, thestylescribe.com, and check out my previous capsules. Now let's move on to dressing for your body type. And before I get into this topic, I just want to say dressing for your figure might not be for everyone. I think people should be able to wear whatever they feel comfortable and confident and happy in, regardless of what your body type is and how clothing fits, but I do often get questions around this topic on my blog and what styles to choose from that will flatter certain figures and show off their assets in the best way. So I think it's still worth addressing here. I also generally like to wear clothes that flatter my figure, but sometimes I'm just as happy in a tent dress that does nothing for me. (laughs) So... Wear wear what you want. That's what I'm saying. But let's chat about some styles to reach for and avoid for certain body types if that's how you like to dress. Let's start with the hourglass shape since that is what I am. If you're not clear on what that is, an hourglass figure is someone who has curves up top and on the bottom. So boobs and a bigger hips and a butt. But then this person also has a well-defined waist. So some celebrities with an hourglass figure would be Blake Lively, Beyonce, Sofia Vergara, Scarlett Johansson, and if I'm looking to flatter my figure, which is an hourglass, here are some things that I consider. So when shopping for dresses, I most often gravitate towards a silhouette with a cinched waist and a loose skirt. A more fitted bodice and cinch waist will draw your eye to the narrowest part of your body, while the loose skirt hides my hips, and I love how I look in anything like this. So a line, fit and flare. If I opt for a straighter style or something with a lack of shape or structure, it ends up looking like a tent on me or at the very least only really displays the widest part of my body. So my boobs and my hips will determine where the dress falls and how the dress fits. Continuing on with the theme of showing off your waist, if you have an hourglass figure, you may want to focus on high rise options. So high rise denim, pants, shorts and skirts. I'd also recommend tucking in tops or at least doing the half tuck when wearing jeans or pants as this will, again, draw attention to your waist. When you let leave shirts untucked, again, it's sort of falling from your boobs and that's determining the width of your waist. I try to avoid oversized voluminous blouses and sleeves as they generally make me look bigger on top than I already am with a 34 D (laughs) bra. So to camouflage my chest or give the appearance of a smaller chest, I personally love to wear off-the-shoulder and one-shoulder necklines. There's something about those visually that kind of minimizes my chest. It also helps to show off your collarbones, which is nice. But the one type of volume I do love on a top is a flounce or a ruffle overlay, but really only with a one-shoulder or off-the-shoulder style. I find those to be really flattering details in terms of that minimizing effect I've been talking about. If you've got a bigger booty and want to minimize it, Try denim with larger back pockets. I know I've mentioned this on my Instagram before, but smaller pockets accentuate, whereas larger pockets sort of diminish. So, a couple brands that I've purchased a lot or recently are Citizens of Humanity and A Goldie. They both are great brands with jeans that have larger back pockets. Reese's, what are you eating? <laughs> Come here. Now, let's talk about the pear shape. This figure is smaller on top and wider on the bottom, as a pair would look like. Um, a few celebrities who fit this body type would be Leighton Meester, Jennifer Lopez, and Shakira. Here are some tips for dressing for a pear body type. So if you're a fan of dresses like I am, it's sort of the same style recommendation I'd make for the hourglass. So try a style that is fitted up top, cinched at the waist, and loose in the hips. Choose hems that hit right below your knee and all the way to the floor to elongate your frame. And you guys can really pull off special necklines like plunging V-necks, embellished tops, dramatic sleeves, because those will draw the eyes up and away from your lower half. I'm always so jealous of women with smaller chests who can pull off those plunging necklines. Like, I don't know if Kristen Bell would be considered a, a pear body shape, but she looks so good in those really deep V or plunging neckline gown she wears to award shows. Jennifer Lopez has done this. Leighton Meester has done this. You can look up their red carpet looks for what I'm talking about, but it looks so it's so visually pleasing to me, and I wish I could pull that off, but because of my, bo- my boobs, my big boobs, it's just, it doesn't look tasteful on me. But when shopping for denim, if you are a pear-shaped gal, try a flare or skinny style. So a flare balances out a bigger booty while a skinny style will create a long line that will elongate your frame. So as I mentioned with the hourglass figure, you may want to find jeans with bigger back pockets to help minimize your booty um, and avoid wearing brights and prints on bottom as well as these will draw attention to the area. Now for tops, you can really get away with any kind of top you want. Um, I, I would probably, if I were pear-shaped, wear more fitted tops. Um, I think that looks really great on you guys. So give that a shot. Okay, moving on. So someone with a strawberry body type is wider on top. So bigger boobs or broader shoulders and with a more narrow hip area. So a more straight lower half. Celebrities with a strawberry body type include Angelina Jolie, Chrissy Teigen, Kate Upton, and Viola Davis. And here are some tips for dressing this body type. To give the appearance of a smaller chest, try off-the-shoulder or one-shoulder necklines. Avoid halter styles, oversized tops, and statement sleeves, and then also avoid rib tops and sweaters because those can add volume where you don't necessarily want it. And I can say this because I have big boobs and that's I don't like showing (laughs) showing those off. So (laughs) I would also avoid styles without some sort of waist because with a larger chest, a shapeless dress can end up looking like a tent, like I've said before. For example, I feel like Brie Larson sometimes wears dresses that don't have a waist and she has a much larger chest than she does hips. And I just, I usually just don't love her red carpet looks because of that. I just personally feel because I have a large chest, I look way better with a defined waist than I do without. To diminish a broad shoulder, try a V-neck or scoop neckline and opt for empire waist uh, tops and dresses. So Avoid tops and dresses with shoulder details like puff sleeves or shoulder pads because this can accentuate the shoulders. And I would also recommend choosing pieces with with thick straps versus thinner straps on dresses and tops if you're doing something um, sleeveless. Draw eyes away from your top half with a printed skirt or a chic pair of pants, perhaps something high-waisted and with a wide leg to balance out those broad shoulders. Um and then finally show off those legs. So wear mini skirts, wear shorter dresses because you can draw the eyes there versus your top half. All right, moving on to the apple figure, that is the figure that is widest in the middle. So celebrities with an apple body type include Chandra Wilson, Melissa McCarthy, and Rebel Wilson. Um some tips for dressing this body type include Opting for empire waists, tiered styles, shift dresses, and A-line silhouettes when it comes to dresses. So, empire waists are fitted right below the bust, but loose beyond that. Um, Think all of the dresses in Bridgerton. That's a good example of an empire waist. The shift is the same width all the way down. So, just make sure you choose a size that doesn't hug you around the middle, but those are a great option. Um, A-lines are styles that widen from the bust to the hem. And they skim the waist to create the appearance of an A shape. And then as far as length goes, this will definitely depend on how tall you are, but choose styles that hit you at or right above the knee to show off your legs. As far as tops go, I would opt for something flowy, something tiered, or just other top styles that don't require being tucked in. Those are going to be your best bet. So a couple of my favorite tops, and I'm not an apple shape, but this is a top that I love um, it's probably not super flattering on me, but I love them. They're Caroline Constance off the shoulder tops, and they are not meant to be tucked in. They're longer. I feel like that would be the perfect cute day to night or date night top for someone with an Apple figure. So I'll share a photo of that on the Instagram page if you want to check that out. But to, I would pair these tops that I've just mentioned with skinny jeans for chic everyday looks. Again, showing off the legs, highlighting your legs. Um, and to create a visual vertical line that will elongate your figure, select v necklines for sweaters, tops, and dresses. Just again, that vertical line will help a lot, uh, make you look taller and all that good stuff. Um, and then as far as jackets and coats go, I would avoid belted styles, um, anything that would draw attention to your waist, and go for ones that hit at your hip, upper thigh, or right at the knee. Last but not least, let's talk about the banana shape. <laughs> This means you've got a straight or rectangular figure, so your weight is evenly distributed throughout your body, and you've either got an athletic build or are not particularly curvy. So celebrities with the banana body type include Emma Stone, Zoe Zaldana, Cameron Diaz, Carly Kloss, and Gwyneth Paltrow. A few tips for styling a banana body include playing with volume and texture, so this will help add dimension and curves to your frame if you feel like you are lacking in that area. Um, so think ruffles, smocked details, statement, sleeves, tiered styles. You can also pull off straighter silhouettes like sheaths, shifts, and column dresses easier than people with curves can. So take advantage of that. If you've got a smaller chest, you can also try a modern plunging V-neck that I, like I mentioned with the pear body shape. Um, it looks great for nights out cocktail dresses and evening wear. I think it just looks so chic, um, on the right with the right look. I, like I said, can't pull it off because I have huge boobs. But (laughs) if you have a smaller chest, I love those looks. For denim, I'd recommend straight or wide leg styles. Again, kind of gives you a little more of an appearance of curves. If you love skirts, pleated skirts will give you the illusion of curves as well. And pencil styles will also look great on you. As far as tops are concerned, try styles with pockets on the chest, wrap styles, peplums, and other fun details to add texture and volume, kind of like I mentioned with the dresses. And again, I want to reiterate that I think everyone should wear what they love and makes them feel good. I just wanted to share some suggestions for those of you who are looking for guidance on how to dress in a way that flatters your particular body type and shows off your assets best. And while I can't say I'm always choosing the most flattering things for myself based on things that I just think are really cute and want, regardless of what it really looks like on me. When I'm shopping, I generally try to select items that complement and flatter my curves and show off my best assets and all of that stuff. So I do think um, a guide like this could be helpful if you don't really know how to do that. Moving on, I often get questions about how to figure out whether something is worth the investment. So let's talk about things I consider when making purchases. First, let's chat fabrics and materials. So when looking at a piece, I always check to see what it's made of. Is it a natural fiber like cotton, linen, silk, or wool? And is it worth the money? Or is it a synthetic material like polyester, nylon, or lycra? You can often find, I mean, you. I have been finding recently that a lot more designers are using polyester and stuff and marking them up. Um, and so I definitely have been trying to keep an eye on that when I'm investing in more expensive pieces because I don't want to be spending a ton of money on something like polyester. <laughs> and according to a recent article I read on The Cut about sustainability in fashion, natural fibers tend to last the longest in your closet and they are also biodegradable and recyclable if and when they do break down over time. According to a report by EcoAge, polyester will last the longest on our planet, and there is a limit to how many times it can be recycled. While that applies to clothes, this also is something I absolutely consider when investing in designer bags. So, for example, is the leather super smooth or is it textured? So, I'm always considering the materials. Textured leather tends to hold up better and longer against scratches and wear and usually ends up being a better bang for your buck. So I almost always try to buy textured leather over smooth leather when I'm spending a lot of money on a designer bag. The next thing to consider is how an item is constructed and how the fit is without alterations. Are the darts, seams, and zippers in the right location? Are they hitting the right spots on your body? Is there too much fabric or does it pull in certain areas? Is it lined? Consider how well the piece fits, how the quality of construction of the piece feels, and how the fabric feels when it's on you. Again, this applies to bags too. Does the bag have structure? If it's made of leather, does it feel like it will lose its structure quickly or maintain its shape over time? I find bags that don't have much structure lose their quote-unquote new look pretty fast unless you're really good about stuffing them and when they're not being used. Um, So definitely keep in mind the structure quality of a bag. Now let's chat about how you plan to use the item. Is it a color or style you would wear a lot? This is a great time to consider cost per wear. Try to imagine several different ways you could style the item with the other things in your closet before buying it. If it's easy to do, great. But if you have trouble coming up with ideas, it might not be the best buy for you. Is it a piece that can go from day to night, or is it only for daytime or only for nighttime? Consider your lifestyle and how often you might actually be able to use it before making a purchase. Now, there are obviously exceptions to each of these, as sometimes you find a fabulous piece that you love and want, despite it not necessarily being the most practical item. Um, But I try to keep these things in mind when I'm shopping so that I'm being smart about what I'm buying versus just buying whatever. It helps keep my closet more cohesive. I also feel like going through all of these steps helps me really identify what's worth the price, what's quality versus um, just something cute. And so I feel like my wardrobe is mostly made up of things that are high quality, that last, that fit me right and fit me well. Um, So I think those are all good to think about. And while we're on the subject of investing in quality pieces... A few of my favorite things to splurge on include handbags, winter boots, cocktail dresses, and unique everyday earrings. And then there are some things I'm more happy to save on, which would include casual everyday dresses, tees and tanks, casual jackets, so like jean jackets, linen blazers, utility jackets. Um, I also feel like I'm able to save or not spend as much on summer sandals. Again, there are exceptions to both of these categories as I have Expensive and inexpensive examples for probably every category there is. But when considering categories as a whole, those are probably the areas I choose to spend on and save on more. Um, We all have different needs. We all have different lifestyles. We all have different budgets. So what I like to splurge on, spend money on may not make sense to you and vice versa. But hopefully these tips help make a decision a little easier for you when you're shopping. I feel like we've already covered a lot (laughs) in this episode on style. But like I said, I'm more than happy to answer any additional questions you may have or chat on other fashion-related topics in the future. So definitely call the hotline at 214-620-0473 or email info at beckandcallpodcast.com and let me know what you want to hear. I'm I'm happy to chat about whatever. So (laughs) let me know. guys we've made it to the beck and call segment and it's time for my exciting announcement Um, as a way of encouraging y'all to call into the beck and call hotline and share the podcast i thought it might be fun to host some giveaways as a thank you so i will be launching a new giveaway every week for the next four weeks so you have four chances to win the first giveaway is for a $250 gift card to Lululemon, which is like my very favorite, <laughs> very favorite athletic brand. Um, all of my leggings are from them. Um, this is not sponsored by Lululemon in any way. I just wanted to do something fun for you guys and offer up a little incentive to get you guys more involved on the podcast and call in to the hotline. To enter the giveaway, you need to call into the Beck and Call hotline to either ask a question, air an everyday complaint, or share a confession that I can then share on the podcast in a future episode. The number is 214-620-0473. Be sure to include your full name and email address when you leave a voicemail. Just say it at the beginning or the end, and I will edit it out to keep things anonymous, but I do need to be sure I have your contact info to let you know if you win. To get a special bonus entry for the giveaway, share the podcast as a recommendation on your Instagram stories. Just be sure to tag the Beck and Call podcast Instagram page so we can see it and make note that you did the bonus entry. Please note this giveaway is only open to US residents. And like I said, this is not associated with or sponsored by Lululemon. I just wanted to do something fun and encourage you guys to get more involved. You have until noon central time on Monday, May 2nd to enter as that's when I will be recording next week's episode and announcing the second giveaway. All entries will be entered into a spreadsheet and then I'll use a random number generator to select the winner. And I will be emailing the winner directly on Tuesday, May 3rd to let them know they won. You'll have to tune in next week to find out what the next giveaway is, Um, but I cannot wait to hear your voicemails and see y'all sharing the podcast on Instagram. The giveaway details will also be posted on the Beck and Call podcast Instagram page this week in case you need a reminder of the hotline number or the giveaway entry requirements. With all of the giveaway stuff out of the way, let's get into this week's voicemails.
1: Hi Merit, Um, I'm calling because uh, I was listening to last week's episode and my heart just really went out to the young woman who called in, uh, whose um, fiance was spotted on Tinder. Um, The exact same thing happened to me uh, a few years ago. It wasn't my fiance, but it was with um, someone that I had been in a relationship with for several years. And it was the same thing where we were temporarily living in different cities um, and we're in a monogamous relationship and a friend ended up seeing him on Tinder and took a screenshot uh and of course he lied about it to me um and denied that he was ever on tinder and then uh, you know of course came back around and um admitted to it when he found out about the screenshot but anyway we ended up breaking up and um it was it was absolutely the right thing to do i know that uh uh the the young woman who called in who said that they didn't really have any trust issues um it was it was kind of the same way for me and it wasn't until after we broke up that I really realized how how much I had been gaslit in that relationship and they always say hindsight is 2020 and i think once you've had a moment to step away from uh kind of being in the situation and given it time uh you know after ending the relationship uh, she may look back on it and, and see that there were more warning signs than maybe she was catching on to or, um, than, than she was, uh, maybe realizing, um, uh, at the moment that this happened. Um, and anyway, uh, less than a year after I broke up with that guy, I ended up meeting a really amazing, wonderful man uh, and we ended up getting married and he's my husband. So, uh, you know, freeing yourself up, uh, to, to go out there and find someone that, you know, you can truly trust, uh, and who would never in a million years even consider doing something like going on to Tinder, um, is, is so worth it. It's, it's the best thing that ever happened to me, and I, you know, I, I learned a lot from that experience, and I, I really hope that, that she will, too, And um, and also, I just hope that she knows that there are other people out there that this has happened to, and... Um, you know, you can move on from this and find someone um, who truly deserves your love. Um, And also, if you ever do an episode where people call in and tell the stories of how they first met the, the love of their life. So like a really good date story. I
0: loved your bad date stories. First of all, thank you so much for calling in and sharing your story with us. I know it's hard to be vulnerable and share such a personal story on a public platform like this even if you are anonymous to everyone listening. I'm not sure whether the previous listener who submitted the, the initial question regarding the Tinder discovery is going to hear this episode, but regardless, I think it's wonderful you're able to show solidarity with her and anyone else who has or might be experiencing a similar situation. Like you said, it's so hard to see a situation for what it is when you're right in the middle of it and taking some space from it might be the best way to see everything a little more clearly and see the bigger picture. It can be so easy to look past those red flags when you're having fun with someone and are falling in love. And it's not until those red flags are staring you right in the face that you've no choice but to deal with them, even if the timing is all wrong. I'm so sorry you had to deal with this experience, uh, but I'm so glad to hear that you came out brighter and happier on the other side and that you've met a better and more importantly, the right person for you. Thank you so much again for calling in and sharing your story with us. I'm so proud of this community of thoughtful, smart, and strong women. And I love how you jumped to the opportunity to help out and voice your thoughts and share your own personal experience and how it related to hers. I just think that's so lovely. And I can't wait to hear from all of you and getting more involved on the podcast like this. It's just wonderful to hear. All right, let's get into the next voicemail.
2: (laughs) Hey, Merritt, This is Lisa calling from California, and that's my little French bulldog barking in the background. Um, I just want to say I love the podcast. It's it's so much fun to listen to. I got a lot out of the uh, interview with Brad from dog behavior. And um, gosh, I just love hearing your stories. It's so much fun. So question for you. I'm a little bit older. I'm in my 50s, mid mid-fifty, And I wondered if you have any recommendations for podcasts for women my age. Maybe even your mom might have some ideas. Um, I, I've looked for a couple, but quite honestly, they just don't. I haven't found one that I liked as much as yours. So um, if you have any recommendations or a good way to look for podcasts um, other than, you know, Googling best podcasts of the year and that kind of stuff, I'd love to know. Um, Thanks so much. Absolutely love it. I've uh, recommended your podcast to several people. Take care. Bye.
0: Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for calling in. I'm so glad to hear you're enjoying the podcast and totally understand wanting some additional options. I am a huge podcast fan, and I have a ton on my weekly rotation, and I get sad when I get to the end of the week, and I won't get new episodes until at least Monday. I don't personally listen to any with an older demographic like that, like specifically for older women, but my mom actually listens to one that she loves called Satellite Sisters, and it's hosted by three real-life sisters that are around my mom's age, and they discuss everything from life transitions and decisions, current events, health and wellness, and more. So definitely check out Satellite Sisters if you are in your 50s and 60s or looking for something else um, a bit closer to your age group. Um, I did do a bit of Googling and didn't see any others that looked super enticing to me. But if I come across any additional ones in addition to Satellite Sisters, I'll be sure to share that in future episodes. All right, y'all, that's it for this week's episode. It was kind of shorter than I expected, so hopefully that's okay with everybody. I'll be back next week with a Charleston trip recap, so stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, you can follow along on Instagram at Beck and Call Podcast. Please be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast. It means so much to me, and I love hearing what you guys think about each episode. So thanks again for listening, and I will catch you guys next week. Bye.